Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on JRoot Radio. We are back right after Pesach, 5775, Tafshin Ayin 2015. We will begin by Zat Hashem, our Halakha series now, from now until Shavuot, discussing all the Halakhot, all the details that we need to know from now until the holiday of Shavuot, Zat Hashem. So before we get to what these subjects are, let's just give you a little bit of the numbers over here to the station and how to listen and what the class is about. This is the Halakha Hour. We air on Wednesday afternoons from 2 to 3 p.m. This same class is aired on again at night in the evening, 11 p.m. to 12 p.m. to 12 a.m. If anybody has questions, usually we try to take them after the class. Today, maybe we'll take it for the first part of the class. If you have any questions, you could call in. You could even call in anytime. We have a technician over here who will be helping us, or Yahu. Manzat Hashem, he'll be helping us. Uh, he'll take down your questions. So if you would like to call in, the number, is, the number to call in is 718-50. No, no, that's not the number. 718-683-5858. Again, 718-683-5858. If you would like to text in your question, then that will be much easier for me because I can look at the text and if it's on the subject, we'll answer. If not, we'll... Razat Hashem replied to you by the end of the class. The text in your question is 347-927-8398. If you have questions that you would like to hear off the air, then you call in at the end of the show at 3 p.m. Razat Hashem will be here for about 10-15 minutes after the class. Anybody who has questions, we'll be more than happy to help you, answer you if we can. Now, that's if you would like to participate to be part of the shiur to the class over here. However... We'd like to just listen, and you just want to listen. So then we'll give you the ways, the address to listen to, or where to listen. jrootradio.com, you go to the website, you see actually, besides audio, you could also watch us live. You could see me talking into the mic with the, in the beautiful library over here. Also, you could listen in on your Jroot Radio Pro app on the smartphones, Android or Apple. They both have these beautiful apps. And you could also listen in through the phone. By calling in 712-432-4217, that's a live radio, and the archives at 718-506-9099. That is how to listen and how to participate in the class. The, here in the Halakha Hour, we try to clarify the Halakhot, especially the ones on the season. Usually it's on the Banish High, we try to do Halakhot of Shabbat from the Banish High. But whenever it's season time, it's holiday time, we take a little bit of a break to go over the Halachot, even though we might have heard some of them, some of them are new, and we go over them as Hashem over here to talk about them. In any case, the Halachot today, until Shabbat, like we said in the beginning, will be on the specific things that we need to know in this period of time, in this period of Sfirat Omer. Some of them are connected to Pesach, some of them are connected to Hadith Shabbat, and some of them are connected to the actual Sfirat Omer. We have over here about nine categories, even though we could really t- make ten, we've made nine categories of Halakhot that we need to know. Number one, the subject of Hametz She'abar Alava Pesach. This includes where to shop and where to avoid shopping from. It's very important that we should hear this part. Number two, is berachot of leftover Pesach food. We'll talk about that, Bezat Hashem. Number three is berachat elanot. We'll mention that. 
Number four are the halakhot of tefillah because we did make some changes in the Amidah and some of the changes that we do in our Sidur right now. Number five is the minhagim of Sefirat Omer. What we could buy, we cannot buy all these things. These are customs of Sefirat Omer. Number six is the halakhot of counting the Omer. Number seven, we added this year also the subject of Kemah Yashan. We will dedicate Razat Hashem, hopefully, a full class on the subject of Kemah Yashan for those who want to know it superficially and for those that want to know it very, very well. Razat Hashem, these, the subject, I've been asked a few times to talk about it. Hopefully, this year we'll dedicate a class to discussing the subject of Kemah Yashan. Then we have also the Halakhot, Ben Hagim, whatever you want to say, you know, whatever you want to call them, or Pesach Sheni and Lagba Omir. That's a very interesting class. And finally, the halachot of Shavuot and Yom Tov, which Bazat Hashem will all be in its own time. Hopefully within these weeks from now until Shavuot, we will cover all these subjects. Let's begin Bazat Hashem with the first halach, with the first subject of halachot, which is Hamet Shabar Alav HaPesach. Before I continue, I would like to hear, you know, every year Pesach, you know, we get a lot. Most of the questions are asked usually before the holiday of Pesach and during the holiday of Pesach. And this year, as I will explain, we got some interesting questions. And I'm always interested to hear if any interesting, you know, scenario came up to you. So if you have any interesting case that came up to you, whether you got a psaac or not, please text it in at 347-927-8398. So this way, we can, uh, you know, learn. And perhaps we, if we could share it also with the rest of the listeners, we could always, you know, we could always grow and learn from everything that everybody, you know, went through. Let's begin. The laws of Hamech Abar Allah Pesach for the year 2015, 5775. Let's give a little bit of a background. Shurhana Rukhin Siman Taf Memhet writes that Hamech Shabar Allah Pesach, if you have Hamech Abar Allah Pesach, which says in Shurhana Rukh, Asur Behana'a, it's forbidden. Even in Hana'ah, even in deriving benefit from it. That is, if it's Hamet Shel Israel, if it's the ownership under the ownership of a Jew. Says the Shohan Aruch, and here's the key word Even if you left it by mistake, you forgot about it, you forgot that you left over some Hamets in your attic. Or even if you're anus, what does it mean anus? For some reason you got sick, you were hospitalized, you, you know, you were arrested, make up whatever anus case you want. It was beyond your control that you weren't able to get rid of your hametz. That hametz, if it went through Pesah under the ownership of a Jew, the Shohan Aruch rules that's forbidden behana'ah. This is a halakha that is midirabanan, the hakamim decreed that a person shouldn't leave over his hametz. People will say, yeah, you know what? I have hametz in the house. Yeah, okay, you know, okay, I won't eat from it on Pesach. But I'll eat it after Pesach. But that's assumed deoraita. One who owns hametz during the holiday of Pesach is committing an isu deoraita of lo lecha or lo lecha hametz bechol gebulecha. So therefore, in order to save the people from this isu, hachamim decreed, you're, gonna, you're not allowed to have any hametz in your house on Pesach. Or not only in your house, in your property, even if you're not home. But as long as it's under your ownership, it's asur. Not only is it at sur if it's under your ownership, even if you declare it ownerless, even if you may battle the hametz, 
if you didn't do bedika properly, if you didn't basically try to get rid of it completely, that hametz becomes asur after Pesach. Not only is it forbidden to eat that hametz, it's also forbidden to derive any benefit from that hametz. This is a halakha in Shulchan Aruch. There are no questions on this halakha. It's not debatable. Maybe the applications may be debatable, but in itself, this halakha is like, is a halakha midrabanan, it's a gzira from the hachamim. Hamet sha'ba alav pesas, a sur in eating and in benefiting from. This is why, when it comes to Pesach, many people sell their hamets. Certainly, if you have a store that sells hamets, groceries, supermarkets, you have to sell your hamets before Pesach to a goy. So even though it's in your property, the problem is not if it's in your property or not. Like we said, if you're the owner of the hamets, that's when it's a problem. Even if you're in Florida and your hametz is in Brooklyn, your hametz is asur. But if you're in Brooklyn and your hametz is in your house, it's in your basement, it's in your closet, but it doesn't belong to you, it belongs to a non-Jew, that hametz is permitted in Hana'a after Pesach. Of course, you have to buy it from him. And it's mutar. So therefore, if you want Motsai Pesach, you want to go to a non-Jewish store and buy from them hametz, it's not a problem. Even though he had it during Pesach, it's only forbidden for the Jew to have it during Pesach, not for the Goy. And that's why, like we said, we sell our Hamid. Now, this year, I had four very, very interesting cases. I never had these cases ever before. I, you know, like we say, we, you live and learn. Let me tell you the four cases, and then we'll tell you what the deen was by each one of them. I get a text from the, from the guys. He tells me, a young man, he tells me, I walked into a Dunkin' Donuts this morning. This is Holom Wa'id Pesach, by the way. I walked into the Dunkin' Donuts this morning and I bought a donut. And Baruch Hashem, I realized right before I ate it, that's Pesach, and I just threw it away. Okay, so I said, okay, what do you want me to do? He's like, okay, did I commit a sin? Did I do an avira? I said, yeah. He's like, but it was an accident. I said, okay, so it's a sin by accident. You know, so I was like, what am I? Am I get karet? And the answer is no. Karet is only if you eat hametz on Pesach. If you own hametz on Pesach, it's asur, it's a big issue, it's a sur of love, it's a lot'aseh, but it's not karet. So he says, what do I do now? I said, okay, do teshubah, never do this again. Don't go into Dunkin' Donuts, that's your first problem. Why are you walking to Dunkin' Donuts? I mean, it doesn't have ashgaha, how are you walking buying donuts in the first place? Okay, but that's case number one. A person bought Dunkin' Donuts, uh, a donut from Dunkin' Donuts in Holomoyed. Yes, you are committing an issue. In fact, this is an isur. Had you done it on purpose, you would have gotten lashes for it because you're active. You went and bought on Pesach Hametz. It's more than the Kebetzah. For sure, you hayam on this. Case number two. A person walked into a non-Jewish supermarket. Big supermarket. It's a, and they went in and they have a kosher section. And they went to the kosher section. They saw where the matzah section is. And they bought a box of matzah. They, want, they purchased it. They paid for it. They went home. They come to eat the matzah and they realize, oh my gosh. It says, not kosher for Passover. You're not allowed to eat this matzah for Passover. Those who don't know, matzah is actually, which we'll discuss later on, matzah, some people eat matzah all year round. And the companies that produce these matzot are not there to make it kashela pesah. They want to make the sale for people who eat it throughout the year. It's a cracker. It tastes good. People like it. It's delicious. I like the, you know, the other ones. So it's kasher, but not kashela pesah. It's pure hamitz. So it says on it, not kosher for Passover. They went home now. What do you do now? Did they commit an avira? Did they, could they give it back? Or do we say that's deriving benefit from the hametz? Must they burn it? What should they do? That's case number two. Case number three. 
A person walked into a Jewish supermarket where they had the hamets all closed off, completely closed off. Don't touch hamets. Don't walk in, you know, with the big black garbage bags and everything. They asked one of the workers, a non-Jewish worker, they say, excuse me, where's the matzah? I need to buy some matzah. He points to a certain aisle. He goes over there and he sees all different types of matzahs. He goes and he takes some matzah crackers. He gets to work. He's about to open the box of matzah. And what does he say? What does he see? Do not eat not kosher for Passover. Again, the same story. But this time it was from a Jewish supermarket. And again, the question, what do you do with the hamits? Question number four. This is a really interesting question. I got a call from an owner of a uh, Jewish grocery store where he also sold his hametz according to Dat Vedin. He closed it off and he has non-Jewish workers in the store and he stepped out. He comes back and his non-Jewish worker tells him that, you know, right beforehand there's somebody who walked in and he asked me to get something from behind this uh, section, you know, with the close-off section. He says, what'd you do? He says, I sold it to him. So what, you're not allowed to sell it to him. So what could I do? The guy he kept on nagging me and he said he, he wants it. And I told him, no, my boss don't let it. He says, no, I don't care. Go get it for me. And it turned out that the person who bought it, the buyer, was also Jewish. So what do you do in such a case? Well, I don't know if there is something to do. In any case, let's go through all the cases to see what the halakha, what is the halakha in all these cases? What could you do? What could you not do? In the first case of the guy who bought Dunkin' Donuts, yes, it was uh, Avira. He did a bisho gig, but he wanted that donut. He just forgot that's hametz. So therefore, that donut is asur. It's asur b'achila for sure. There's no question. Uh, even if it's not your donut, you're not allowed to eat it. But you can't even give it back to the store because you wanted that donut. You made a final sale. Now, even though the store may take it back for you, but you're selling it back to the store, even though you forgot that space, but you wanted the donut. So therefore, you cannot return it. You have to burn that that hametz, which this person already threw it out, there's nothing to do. The only thing to do is teshuvah and ma'asim tofim. That's it. As far as halakha is concerned, there's not much to do. Avira was done by accident. In case number two, where a person went to a non-Jewish store, over there it's a little bit more interesting because the person never wanted to buy hametz. He went to the kosher section and he saw that there should be kashel pesah merchandise and somehow or another, the... Matzah, which was not really kashela pesa, was mixed in there. Was whether it was done on purpose or not, it was clearly a mekah taut. A mekah taut means it was a sale that the person did not want. It was a sale that was done by accident. He wanted kashela pesa matzah, and something else came in its place. It was placed there, you know, beyond his knowledge. So in that case, after consulting with the posek, he ruled that it was a mekah taut, and therefore it can be given back. Because in halakha, mekataut is not really considered a sale. It's not a sale and then you're selling it again. It was never yours. You never wanted to buy such an item. You could return and you should return the hametz as soon as possible. Now, what about in the case where you went to the Jewish supermarket? And here, before I get to the halakha, I really have to point this out. Besides this case, you should know, I had a few other cases where it didn't, they didn't call me for it, but I, I found out about it, where people walked into a supermarket, a Jewish supermarket, where we tell you, you know, go in, they have a hashgaha, and I personally shop there, I would eat there. And we tell you usually, you know, listen, it's a Jewish market, they have a very good hashgaha, you can buy whatever you want. But you have to be careful about that. In the big supermarkets especially, people, you know, when you think about it, last time you went shopping for anything, grocery, food, or clothing, it doesn't make a difference. And you were, you had things in your cart, and then you decided, you know what, I don't want to buy this. Do you go all the way back to where you got the item from? Let's say you're in the uh, 
vegetable section and you realize, you know, I don't want to take this uh, soda. Well, I, don't want, I don't need to drink Coke. I don't like Coke. You go all the way back to the drink section and put the Coke where it's supposed to be, next to the Coke and not next to the Pepsi. If you do, that's the right thing to do. Most people don't. Most people are not as good as you are. Most people will just take the bottle of soda and just dump it next to the apples. Let the worker pick it up. You know, that's what they're here for. This is not right now our subject, but that's what happens. So therefore, people, a few cases where people picked up Hamid stuff in the Pesach, in the kosher for Pesach aisle. You can't blame the store for that. You can't blame the supermarket that should have better hashgah. It's not their fault. A customer right before you that walked down the aisle took out the cereal boxes and put it on the Pesach section. So therefore, Rabotai, you have to be very careful. Ladies, especially who are shopping, it doesn't make a difference. Whoever is shopping, whether you're shopping before Pesach or on Pesach, don't assume that something is kashir Pesach unless you see that it says on it, even if it's in the Pesach section. Even if you see everybody's crying, even if you see everybody who's religious taking it, and they're taking, everybody's taking the same from the same shelf, don't assume that's kashir Pesach. Make sure you check every single box that you take. Not because, Hasbi Shalom, the owners of the of the market are doing anything harmful on purpose, but happens. People make mistakes. People drop things off by accident. So therefore, check your boxes. Now let's go back to our case over here. The person over here bought hametz, right? This is uh, the Nakosha crackers in the Jewish supermarket. And he went home. Could you do it? Could you give it back or not? So again, I consulted the same post and he told me that, first of all, that's not his hametz to sell. The Jewish supermarket has no right to sell you that hametz. Why? Because that hametz belongs to the goy that they sold it to. So therefore, you must give back the hametz. You're not even allowed to take it. He wasn't allowed to sell it to you. That's gezel. You give it back to the store and they should give you back, should refund you with your money. It's for sure make That's not a question. But more than that, the store, the Jewish store, has had no right to sell it to you. Finally, the last case, you know, where the worker took hametz, the non-Jewish worker took hametz from the hametz section and sold it to another Jew. So you have to contact the Jew and you have to tell him, listen, I was, it's not my hametz, I can't sell it to you, it's not even mine. He told me that the person who bought it really doesn't care. He doesn't, doesn't want to hear it. So in that case, what could you do? It's technically you stole from the goy. Right? So now you owe the goy money. So when he sells it back to you on Matzai Pesach, so it comes back to you. So then you get into Alchot, Gezel, not Gezel, it's already beyond the scope of Pesach. But, like we said, the real warning that we come out of all this, what, we, what I learned is, definitely check every box that you buy. Even if it's, even if on Pesach, where everything is closed off, you must check the boxes or whatever you're buying, the merchandise that you're buying, to make sure it says Kashela Pesach. Whatever has got how you follow, it's already your own issue. But as far as just being in regular, decent Kashela Pesach, and it shouldn't be Hamitz. In any case, we come back to our subject over here. Hamitz after Pesach. Hamitz Abal after Pesach has a problem. Most of us don't have this issue. We either get rid of our Hamitz by eating it before Pesach, by throwing it out, giving it away, or by selling it to the Goy. So even though we have Hamitz in the house, if we sell real hametz, we sold, we sold it to the goy. After Pesach, we're told by the rabbi, you can assume by this time, 9.30, 10 o'clock, whatever it is, that the goy already purchased his hametz. He, excuse me, he sold back the hametz. You could go back, I'll be your messenger. You could buy, you could take this hametz and eat it yourself. Not a problem at all. However, not every Jew is as good as we are, as you are, right? Unfortunately, a lot of Jews, now 100% Jewish, and they don't keep this halakha. Why? 
they don't keep Pesach Bechlal. Pesach for them is like, you know, the national anthem. They'll sing it when, if they have to. If they're on TV and they have to, they'll put up the show. They couldn't care less. Now, not every person who is not observant doesn't sell his hamets. There's some people who will sell the hamets because, listen, the community that he serves is an orthodox community. They will not buy from him after Pesach if he doesn't sell the hamets. So not, don't assume that every person who's not religious and he owns a supermarket didn't sell his hamets. No, some people do sell the hamets. However, in cases where we know that the person did not sell his hamets, then that hamets that he has in the store becomes a problem. Even though it's his problem, it's not my problem, don't make it your problem. You're not allowed to go into his store and buy that hamitz. You are not allowed to have benefit from it. Even if you paid for it, you cannot derive any benefit from that hamitz that was left over after Pesach. Why? Because throughout the holiday of Pesach, I went under Jewish ownership. So therefore, we have to know which supermarkets, which grocery stores are selling the hamitz or which are not. So first thing you have to know is if the supermarket, you have really two issues here. It's not just a supermarket, you know. The Star K points out most of the things I'm telling you right now, I've taken it from the Star K or the OU. And these are people who really done their research. A small guy like me is not going to be able to really do as thorough of a research as they have done. And really, if you have bigger questions on this, you should contact the Star K or the OU. And they're pretty reliable, very, very reliable, actually, in all this information. And they're very, very open about all this information. You can ask them whatever you like, or you can download their PDF from uh, their websites. In any case, there are two issues with Hamid Shabbat of Pesach when you're dealing with businesses. Number one is, if the owner of the supermarket himself is Jewish, again, even though he's not observant, he might even be married to a Goya, it doesn't make a difference. He's still a Jew. Lehumrah. Meaning to say, when we consider a person who's not observant, who's Mahalet Shabbat Bifarhesia, as a Goy, as Halakha says in Shuhana Aruch, this is only lehumra, not lekula. That means if you need your lights on on Shabbat and you have a heter, like we're learning in the Chot of Amir Akum, in cases where you're allowed to tell a goy to put on a light, let's say you have a holesh and you want to tell a goy to put on a light, you can call your non-observant neighbor, say, hey, anyway, he's mehaleh Shabbat, let him open the light for me. Oh, but didn't you say that he has a deen of a goy, you made me buy the reshut from him in Arubin? That's only lehumra, but not lekula. Same thing will be over here. If the Jew, even though he's not observant, if he has Hamet Shabbat Lava Pesach, even though he's a Mumar, that Hamet is still forbidden. So, number one is we have to see if the owner of the supermarket is a Goy or is he a Jew. If he's a Goy, there's nothing to worry about. If he's a Jew, already flags should go up. The second concern is even though the owner may be not Jewish, you might say, okay, it's great, he's not Jewish, but sometimes. The distributors, that means, what is the distributor? These are the middlemen that deal with the big companies and they come to the supermarkets and they come to the stores and they sell it to them. The, the store itself is not going to sit there and deal with every company. This distributor goes and buys from all these different big factories, these big companies, Let's say there's a distributor, he'll deal with Coca-Cola, he'll deal with Pepsi, he'll deal with Sprite, he'll go and deal with, uh, you know, all the different types of foods. It doesn't have to be only drinks, you know, with Cheerios and, and, uh, and Nature Valley. I don't know, all these different places, he'll deal with them, he'll buy from them. And then for a few extra pennies per item, he'll come and sell it to the supermarket. That's a middleman, the distributor. A lot of times these distributors are, the distributors are Jewish and they are not selling the hamets on Pesach. So then you have another issue because that hamets that they owned, that they sold to the supermarkets, is also hamets on Pesach. 
So how in the world are you supposed to know? So if you have a rabbi that you trust and you can ask him, let him tell you. Um, what I would like to tell you, though, is that the Starcade does have a little bit of a list. And I only picked places from the list that we, you know, over here in the Brooklyn area may know about. Things are beyond Brooklyn, even though there might be these, some of these stores outside of Brooklyn, but only the big places in Brooklyn. Then those that are not mentioned, uh, you know, maybe I'm not so familiar with them, but those who would like to know other places, call up the OU or go and call up the Star K and they'll tell you all the rest of the information. So another point to keep in mind before we go to the list is that there are thirty over 35,000 supermarkets in America. 35,000 big supermarkets in America. There's no way on this class where I'm only going to spend an extra minute on this. We're going to find out all of these, all the stores and which names and which not. So keep that in mind as well. The major supermarkets where one is permitted to shop from, shop right here on Avenue U and Avenue I. Avenue I shop right is, according to the OU, is not a problem. You could shop from there. Whether it's not a problem because they sold it or didn't sell it, whatever it is, shop right is fine. Also, the Star K puts the following, and they said Walmart, Costco, BJ's, CVS, Rite Aid, and Kmart. I thought Kmart is Aleva Shalom, but anyway, Kmart as well. All these stores, they are fine for this year, 2015. They have no problem with Hamid Shabar Aleva Pesah. Why? I'm not sure. Maybe it's their own by Goy. Maybe it's a non-Jewish distributor. Maybe they sold the Hamid. Whatever the case may be, this is the... List for the stock here for the year 2015. Now, there are some stores that one has to avoid. What are these places that one has to avoid? So there is a big distributor who is, according to the stock here, is Jewish. And he doesn't, for all they know, he does not sell his hamet on Pesach. So therefore, this person distributes to some local stores that we know about and the people shop from. What are these stores? Stop and Shop and Target. These two stores buy from a major distributor who's Jewish, who does not sell his hamet on Pesach, and one should avoid shopping from them. For how long? You, you don't have to avoid for the rest of your life. Usually things in the supermarket move so quickly that by two weeks already, two weeks already, things either moved out off the shelf or at least the majority moved off the shelf. And according to the Boskim, once the majority of the items that are in the store or in that section really, are not a problem of Hamed Shabal Pesah, then you could assume that Ruba de Paris, Kol de Paris, Ruba Paris, whatever it was, Pore, it probably came for the majority, which was Mutar. So, therefore, if a store itself is owned by a non Jew, then the store should not be, you should not buy Hamets, specifically Hamets from that store until two weeks after Pesah, which is around April 26th. That's the date that the Starke gives. If, if, they have a Jewish distributor, so then that's, that means they're getting their merchandise after Pesach, which is Asur, or even during Pesach, then one should avoid shopping from there until four weeks after Pesach, that is May 10th, okay? Target and Stop and Shop, they're buying from a Jewish distributor, and therefore, one should avoid buying Hametz from them until May 10th. Liquor, though, is a little different. Liquor takes longer to move, and even major liquor stores, they have to be careful, really. A lot of these liquor stores are really owned by Jews. And again, they're Jews. Somebody told me they're just Jews by name. No, they're Jews by soul. If they're Jews by name, it means they're really goyim. Their mother's not Jewish. Their mother's Jewish, that means they're Jews. And therefore, it's a problem. 
In such liquor stores where things move, but they don't move as slow as as fast, you have to avoid shopping with them until after Shavuot, where we could assume already that the majority of the stuff is not Hamid Shabar Allah Pesah. If one accidentally already now is listening to this class and he says, Oh my gosh, I already bought from Stop and Shop. I already bought from Target. I already bought from places that he told me you shouldn't buy. So we called up the OU, we called up the Star K, and they said that I guess with the Abad, there is what to be so mechan that you don't have to return the item. Of course, you want to be Mahmi, you want to return the item to the store and get your money back. Um, you could, but you don't have to really, because there is what to rely on that maybe it came from, remember, they're not only the buying from one distributor, they're buying from different distributors, and there is enough what to be subhanahu But the Qatala wants you to avoid buying from them from two to four weeks after Pesach. Now, I know I'm getting a lot of text in, and I some of them are longer than others. I don't have... Um, I don't have time to really go over all the texts. I see one quick text I can answer very quickly, and that is tonight's class will be repeated at 11 to 12. That I can answer. The rest I can't answer. I'm sorry. In any case, yeah, we'll answer all the texts. We'll try to keep a few minutes by the end of the show to answer all the texts. Let's now go on to the second part of the class. Berachot of leftover food from Pesach. The food that's pretty much going to have leftover from Pesach is matzah, or the Pesach cakes, or the Pesach pasta, the Pesach bread, whatever it may be. So let's begin. Matzah. So matzah during the holiday of Pesach, everybody makes baracha of hamotzi. Unless it's egg matzah and you're a person who has a custom of eating egg matzah. Or in the scenario where you could eat in matzah. So egg matzah is really mezonot. So what's the baracha of matzah after Pesach? Ashkenazim is very simple. For Ashkenazim, this is bread it doesn't make a difference if it's crunchy or not crunchy. Who cares what the texture of the bread is? This is bread, and therefore, they make hamotzi on Pesach and hamotzi on matzah even after Pesach. That's only, I have to point this out, only if you're having the hard crunchy matzah. We find that there's two different matzot in the market. There's soft matzah, which a lot of Sfaradim eat in Eretz Israel, and some also over here. And there's also a hard crunchy matzah, which is the regular people, you know, when people understand that's matzah. The soft matzah, you don't go by the name of it. Just like breadsticks are not hamotzi, right? The crunchy breadsticks are mezonot. So too, soft matzah is hamotzi throughout the year. Even though it's called matzah, it doesn't make a difference. We go by the texture, we don't go by the name. Now, our question is, what would be with the matzah? I have leftover matzot, and they're good. I can have them as crackers. Instead of buying melbutos, I can have matzot from all the leftover matzahs I have. And great, I'm doing with matzah shemura. I'm having a real good diet over here. What is the bracha on matzah for the sfaradim after Pesach? So, to explain this very quickly is hard. And you're not going to understand the halakha, and it's going to be very confusing. So, I'm going to have to spend a little bit of time to clarify, on, to clarify the subject. In Shohan Aruch, in Siman Kuf Samik Het Saif Zayin, Maram brings where if I have dough and I bake it. So sometimes, depending what I do to the dough, the dough will not be hamotzi after it's baked, rather it will be mezonot. In a case where it will be hamotzi, it means that I have regular flour and water and I bake it and I have beautiful soft bread that's called, that's regular bread. That becomes hamotzi. There's no question about that. Even a little tiny piece, it's hamotzi. But there are three scenarios where I could take that dough and turn it into mezonot before baking it. That after baking it will become mezonot. What are these three cases? Number one is if I take the dough and I stuff it with sweets and then I bake it. So now I have stuffed sweets. So even though it's only flour and water, 
that after being baked, since it's stuffed with sweets, it becomes mezonot. Case number two is, where in the dough itself, when I'm making the dough, I add enough inside where I could taste it after it's being baked. I add enough additives, sorry, ingredients besides flour and water, like milk or apple juice or orange juice. Not that it says it on the bag. What it says on the bag is nourishkite. It's nonsense. It means nothing. What it says on the bag is nothing. Don't look at the ingredients. Taste it. If you're a Sfaradi, you have to taste it. If you could taste it, you could say, ah, there's a there's a I could taste over here apple juice or orange juice or or uh, honey. Then it becomes mezonot. Torn to the Ashkenazim, the little bit the Ramah is a little bit more mahmir. They need not to just taste it, but it has to taste very very strong. You know, the taste has to be very very much like apple juice or whatever the additives are, and then they'll make mezonot. Third condition, that's what we're going to speak about, is the opinion of the Aruch Beshem Rab Gaon. And he says that if I take regular flour and water and I bake it to the point that it comes out crunchy, kind of like a cracker or a melba toast, then the Beracha would be Mezonot. What's the reason why all of a sudden this dough that was yesterday, you know, that was, you know, that two, I, I took this dough, I divided it into two, one I baked for bread. And the other one I left in the oven a little bit longer than because I wanted it to be crunchy. Why should the crunchy one be mezonot and why should the soft one be hamotzi? And the answer is, says the Beit Yosef, because when it's crunchy, people don't eat it as a meal. They only eat it as a snack. So that's why snacks are mezonot. The other one, which is made soft, that's made to have a bread. I don't care if you decide to eat it as a snack. It's made to be as a bread, as a meal. For that, you make a bracha of hamotzi. That's the main difference. That's the Beit Yosef's reason. That's what he brings. Why one is mezonot, one is hamotzi. Hamotzi is when you have, it's made to be eaten as a meal. The other one, which is made to be eaten as a snack, it becomes mezonot. So now people will say, okay, so that means matzah, it's crunchy, it should be mezonot. However, if you go with the reason of the Beit Yosef, that if it's made to be eaten as a snack, it'll be mezonot. But if it's made to be eaten as a meal, it should not be mezonot, it should be hamotzi. We have a big problem making the hamotz, mezonot on matzah after Pesach. Because, like we said, there are matzot that are sold throughout the year. They're not even kashela Pesach. They're hamets, they're pure hamets. And people, why do, they, why do they buy them? Because people like to have them as a meal. Well, whether it's for health reasons or it's because they taste better. It doesn't make a difference. People are having them as a meal. So because of that, it really puts a big question. How are we to make Bechav Hamotzi? I mean, excuse me, how are we making Bechav Mezonot as Faradim on Matzah after Pesach? It was made, first of all, to be eaten as a meal in the holiday of Pesach. Now you have to left it over. So how are you making Bechav Mezonot on it? Because of this, Hakam Betzi and Hakam both said, really, Lechat Hala, if a person wants to follow the best way according to halakha, you should not have matzah by itself and make mezonot. You should wash for regular bread and have matzah betoch sauda. Don't eat it by itself and make mezonot. However, if a person is going to have to eat it, he's not going to wash, he's going to have to eat the matzah. In that case, both hacham betzion and hacham hold that the minhag is as the hida and other Ahroni brought down, the minhag is that the sfaradim will make berachah of mezonot on matzah, the hard crunchy matzah, after Pesach. Why? Because that's how they've been doing it. But really, like like they said, like this poskim brought down, one should avoid having it by itself. So it's really not so simple to say, oh, I'm Sferadi, I'm going to eat uh, matzah, it's going to be mezonot. 
not so pashut. If it's egg matzah, then for sure you have, that's because of the second condition. You added additives to the dough, and that's why it's mezonot. But otherwise, for regular matzah, plain flour and water, that is not so simple to make a bachav mezonot. The chathala one should wash first on regular bread, and then eat the mezonot in the middle of sada. Even to make hamotzia on the matzah, it's not so simple either. Because like we said, the minhag is mezonot. So therefore, one should have in the middle of the Torah, even if you plan to say mezonot on the matzah, you have to be aware of something else. In the Mishnah B'ra'i Ish Matzliah, Rav Mazuz in the back brings down an idea, a very important idea really, that really when we say a kezayit is about 27 grams, or let's say 28.8 grams, that's really the weight of an item. All the halakha, the Rishonim and Ahronim, and Rishonim really, when they discuss, and the Gemara talks about kezayit, it's talking about in volume. So in general, things, the way they weigh and the way they are in volume, the size of the volume and the size of the way they weigh, in general, you could assume that if you have the weight, it's pretty much the same size in volume. However, when something is crunchy like melbatos or a matzah, really it's much smaller. According to Mazuz, he said he, he's done a test. Now, this is by not only the opinion of Mazuz, it's also the opinion of many Ahronim. Achamatzion has a whole thing in Halagimul. He said in the beginning, he talks about it. In any case, over here, in the matzah itself, this is why I wanted to bring up Mazuz. He says that the machine made matzah, he's tested all different types of machine made matzah, and he saw that the maximum, the maximum, weight of a matzah to be kezayit is 13 grams. That means if you're only having 13 grams of matzah, that's already a kezayit, it requires a bracha ahrona. So on Pesach, if you had 13 grams of machine-made matzah, I'm talking about machine-made, not handmade. If you had 13 grams of machine-made matzah, then the bracha ahrona would already be bracha tamazon. So now, based on this, each loaf or each uh, you know square matzah is 33 grams which is about three kezetot. Most people have two, three squares of matzah when they're having their meal. Some even have more. You know, it goes very quickly. So if you're having three squares of matzah, that means you're having already, how many kezetot? You're having already eight kezetot. Eight kezayits of mezonot is hamotzi. If you're having cake, of you having cookies, things that you would normally make bechav mezonot on them. If you're having eight kezayit of them, you are required to make to wash your hands, make bechav hamotzi, and do berchat mezon afterwards. So if you're having three square matzah, then for sure you have to wash your hands in the telat and berchat mezon afterwards. So even according to the minhag, and you want to make mezonot anyway, you have to be careful. You should limit one eating to two squares of matzah. And don't go beyond that. That is the halakha of matzah after Pesach. The other th- scenario is potato starch cakes. Potato starch cakes is very simple. Shehakol. Why? They take potato, they grind it because you can't use any flour. They turn it to flour and now it works. Voila, it works exactly like regular flour from regular wheat. And they make all types of cakes. Some people claim that even the taste of the of the Pesach cake is even better than throughout the year. You know, like some people say, you can't even feel Pesach. Of course not. You're in Hawaii and you're on a cruise, on a vacation. Of course you're not going to feel Pesach. But the Pesach cakes even make it more so you can't tell. Now, the problem is after Pesach. What happens now after Pesach? 
After Pesach, nothing should change. The bracha of this cake should be shakol. So therefore, you have to be careful. You have to know that before you come to eat any cakes, especially people that usually pull out, you know, the leftovers from Pesach, ask them, was this leftover from Pesach? If it's leftover from Pesach, it's pretty much shakol. You know, you have, uh, it's probably going to be shakol, the bracha rishona, and bracha harna is going to be borei nefashot. In a case where a person by accident already made a bracha of mezonot on the cake, and in the middle of eating, somebody told him, you know, you're eating a Pesach cake, so we hold that mezonot bedi'abad covers all foods except for water, salt, and any of the, you know, like the uh, the sweeteners, like like NutraSweet and Splenda and all these things. If you make a mezonot on any other food besides water, salt, and the sweeteners, you would say even sugar. Notice there's a difference between sweetener and sugar. Not not to go into it, why not? Mezonot pretty much covers all types of food. So if you made mezonot by accident on a Pesach cake, you'll you say, but you can continue eating. However, the bracha harona will be borei nefashot. Don't make alam on it. Even though you start with mezonot, you're going to make the bracha harona of borei nefashot. Now here it gets a little bit more complicated. A guy picked up a Pesach cake, he made mezonot, he ate two, three pieces. Ah, this is a great cake. And then he made bracha harona of alam mehya. What's the deen then? The halakha says that alam mehya does not cover borei nefashot. Alam does not cover Bonin Fashot. Therefore, if a person said Alam on these Pesach cakes, he must go back and say Bonin Fashot again. If, however, here's a little bit more complicated. Let's say a person had real cake and he also had some Pesach cake along the way. Or let's say he was having some fruits. Let's do it this way. He was having some fruits from Shabbat Haminim. He ate grapes and the Pesach cake. By accident, he made a mezonot on the Pesach cake. And of course, he made a hiatus on the Pesach fruits. Uh, not Pesach fruits, even weekday fruits, right? So now he made al-mahya and al-pirot on everything all together. So in that case, it could be a little bit more complicated because you're making the beracha of al it's anyway which you're, ob- you're obligated to say and you included in it also something which you said so according to some opinions it's probably even going to cover the potato starch cakes so in such a scenario the best thing to do is take a cup of water or a drink make sure you call drink it again and make having in mind the Pesach cakes if you don't have a, a cup of water then but that's only if you said the bracha of ala pirot as well then you have what to rely on. But otherwise, you should go ahead and make Berakha Barin Nefashot in the case we made Al-Mahya on a Pesach cake. Next subject, Berkata Ilanot. Berkata Ilanot, we spoke about it really before the holiday of Pesach, right in the beginning on Rosh Hodesh Nisan. But we have to mention it always after Pesach because the Shohana Ruch brings down Hayotzebi Me Nisan. A person who walks out in the days of Nisan and according to many, many Ahronim, who are Hiddad, the Benish, Hayrab, Haim, Palachi, the Kafa, Hayim, Sofer, Shut, Halakot, Ketanot. All of these poskim they hold that one could only say Bechat Elanot in the month of Nisan. You cannot say Bechat Elanot after Nisan or before Nisan. You can't say in Adar, you can't say in Iyar. Once it's already Aleph, Iyar, one cannot say Bechat Elanot anymore. So therefore, if a person has not said Bechat Elanot, make sure you go out and you say it. Konto, the Mishnah, Bran, Hakam, they hold that you could even say it after Nisan. Nisan is love davka. It just happens to be that's when things grow. But you really, the bracha is on the tree. Whatever starts to 
But whenever the flowers of the tree start to come out, you have to go and make the bracha on brachat alinot, even if it's in the yard. So because of this mahlokit, Acham Betzion says, say it without Shem Hashem. Without Shem Malchut. Because really, it's not so pashut to say it after Nisan. And therefore, we'll tell you after Pesach, if you did not say Bechate Elanot, make sure you go out, you look for the trees. What are you looking for? You're looking for Lechat two fruit trees. It has to be fruit trees, by the way. This is not Lechat But two is Lechat The fruit trees mean to say any fruit doesn't have to produce a thousand uh, fruits. As long as it produces any fruit, and be surprised how many are in the neighborhood. I had in front of my house for the whole time, for the last 10 years, I had a, a, a cherry tree in front of my house and I completely did not notice it. And every year you walk by and you see dirt on the floor, you don't even realize to so look up. And I had two cherry trees in front of my house. So you could have them even in your backyard. It's not one specific location. What are you looking for? You're looking for the following. Usually the way the tree grows is like this. The rain falls in the winter. When it comes to the springtime, they start to sprout. How does it start to sprout? There's, you see on the tree already like flowers start to come out. Every tree, like a flower, starts to come out. From these flowers, then it, the fruit also comes out of there. You have to be careful. Some of them produce flowers. Sometimes the leaves come out. In the case where the flowers coming out of the tree, that already you can make a bracha brachat elanot. But if the leaves are only coming out of the tree, the tree is not ready to make the bracha brachat elanot. The earliest time one can make the bracha is when the tree produces already a flower. That flower where the fruit eventually will come out. Now when the fruit starts to grow, that flower slowly will fall off. Once that flower falls off, according to most opinions, you cannot make the bracha or it's already too late. So that's what you're looking out for. You're looking out for a tree where the flowers grew on the tree and the flower did not fall off the tree yet because otherwise it will be too late. Lechatchila if one could say it outside the city, I mean, let's say you're going on a trip outside the city, great, if you could say it over there, it's better. But it's not ma'akim. Also, you don't have to say it in the minyan. You could say it even be'ahid. Sometimes if you catch a tree and you're by yourself, say it right away. Don't wait for minyan. It might be too late by the time you catch a minyan. And also, preferably, preferably, it should not be a tree that has been planted within the last three years or a tree. But if it is an Orla tree, you have the Benish to rely on that you could still say the Bracha on it, although others argue. What about women? Are women obligated in this Bracha? Now, this Bracha is not a Mizvat Asesh Azman Gerama. It's not based on time, it's based on the tree. It just happens to be that the time is in the days of Nisan. So, based on that, really, women should say the Bracha. The only thing is, and the Sfaradim, that's how they bring Sfaradim, the Poskim bring down, women should go and make Bracha Ta'ilanot. However, I did see Piskechevot brings the name of Chubot and Hagot, and he writes that they don't have to run after them as well. Women don't have to go drive themselves nuts to look for a tree. If they happen to come across a tree, then they can make the Beracha. But it's a mitzvah, it's a, one, it's a Beracha that comes once a year, and it's limited on time, and usually those mitzvot are habi, Habibot. They're very beloved because they come in a special moment. It's definitely not kedai to, let, to you know, lose out on this Beracha. Next subject of halachot, and we'll conclude with this, are the halachot of tefillah. The halachot of tefillah, we made a few changes in the holiday of Pesach. We basically switched from the, the excuse me, we switched the Amidah from the winter Amidah to the summer Amidah. What is the winter Amidah? What is the summer Amidah? In the winter, we ask for rain. 
And in the summer, we don't ask for rain. In the Amidah, there are two places where we mention rain. One is where we mention that God brings rain. That's right in the beginning in, of, this, of the Amidah, in the second Berakha, where we say, we mention that God brings rain. And in the middle of the Amidah, the Berakha of Barakha Alenu, over there, in the ninth Berakha, we say, we ask Hashem for rain. The Sfaradim will say a whole Nusah, Barakha Alenu. And the Ashkenazim will say just that line, In this summer, Rain is not good. It's not seasonal. This is not the time for rain. And therefore, we cannot ask for rain in Barech Alenu. And also, we should not mention that God brings down the rain. If a person makes such a mistake, if he asks for rain, or if he mentions that God brings rain, that means if you said, or if you ask, then you said the wrong Amida, you must repeat it. But there's a difference though. Difference is as follows. The first time in Amidah that you mention rain is going to be in the second Beracha. In the second Beracha, if you by mistake said Mashiba Rahmaida Geshem, when you you if you caught yourself in the middle of Amidah, or anywhere in Amidah really, after you concluded that Beracha, that means if you already started at Takadosh, then you must go back to the beginning of the Amidah. Why? Because the rule is any uh no, not any. The rule is that the first three berachot of the Amidah are one package. If you make any mistake in that first group, you cannot just go back to your mistake and fix it. You have to go back to the beginning of the set of berachot, which is the beginning of Amidah, and fix it. Therefore, translate it like this. If an Ashkenazi said as opposed to not saying anything at all over this Faradi, he didn't say Murid Hatal, he just said and he mentioned in the summer Amidah. Both of us, we have to go back all the way to the beginning Amidah, no matter where I catch myself, unless I catch myself within that Beracha. Before I say, However, if I made a mistake and I asked for rain, which is in Barech Alenu or Barechenu, I said, and I caught myself. If I finished Amidah, there's nothing to do. I have to start Amidah from the beginning. But if I didn't finish Amidah, as long as I'm still in the Amidah somewhere, I don't have to go back to the beginning of Amidah. I can go back just to the ninth blessing of the Amidah, which is Barichenu, and continue from there and read ahead and finish the Amidah. Why? Because the Berachot in the middle, after the first three and before the last three of the Amidah, those don't have a specific order. There is an order, obviously, that we say it in the Nigram Megillah talks why there's such an order. But even if you switch the order, you're Yotzeh B'Di'avad. And therefore, if a person made a mistake in that, in Berakha of Barakha Alenu, and he said, you just go back to Barakhenu and you finish the Amidah from there. You don't have to go back to the beginning of the Amidah. There's another halakha over here in this area, and that is that if a person is not sure, he's in the middle of the Amidah and then he realizes, oh, did I say Moridatal or did I say He's not sure. Now, he said, no, in general, most of us don't remember what we did five seconds ago. I'm trying to remember what I said, you know, in the beginning of the class, okay? So it's normal. We don't remember things, you know, our mind is always, and especially in Amidah, we like to do our best thinking of our worldly things in Amidah. Which business deal I want to do, which date I want to go on, what, what car I need, what things I need to buy. We always have that in Amidah, unfortunately. That's reality, unfortunately. So in general, we don't remember what we did. But if you have a real uncertainty, 
if you have a real suffix because you're not sure, you're not, I'm used to reading and I don't pay attention to the words I'm saying. And I'm not sure if I said Morid Atal or if I said Moshiv Aruch Geshem. I'm not sure if I said Barikh Alenu or Barikhenu. In that case, we tell you the halakha like this. If it's before Pesach Sheni, that means before you Dalit Iyar, then you must repeat it. Meaning to say, if you caught yourself that maybe you messed up by Mashiv Rahmud Geshem, you go back to the beginning of Amida. And if you caught yourself, you know, that you messed up by Barikh Alenu, you go back to over there. We assume that if you had a doubt whether you said the right words in the Amidah before Pesach Sheni, we assume that you probably said the wrong Amidah and you must go back. However, if it's after Pesach Sheni, again, we have a suffix, we're not sure. If it's after Pesach Sheni, we assume that by now already your mouth, your tongue already got used to saying the correct Amidah. And therefore you could just go ahead and continue the Amidah. We assume that you said the correct Amidah, you don't have to go back and repeat it. Why? Because like we said, a person usually it takes a full month to train his mouth what to say. It's good Musaf Allah In any case, the Beit Yosef brings from the Maharam Rutenberg, who's the rabbi of the Rosh, Rabbeinu Asher. He says, being that this is so, one could train himself. One could go to the Amidah and say that paragraph that he needs to train his mouth in 90 times and this way you you know for sure that you've been trained. The whole idea is that after a month, your mouth got trained. Why? Because you said it 90 times. It's 30 days. 30 days times an average of three teflot a day. You, we assume that you said the right, correct. So says the Maharam Rittenberg, repeat it 90 times and you'll be fine. The Hatam Sofer says, if you say like this, Rab Leoshia, Morida Tak on this Radim, or Rab Leoshia, Mechakeh Haim Behesed, according to the Ashkenazim, if you say this, 90 times, according to Maram Rutenberg, according to Hatam Sofer, 101 times, you could assume that from now on, as you're praying, if you're in doubt, you could assume that you probably said the correct words. And by the way, I was listening to these halakhot, I, you know, we actually gave the same halakhot last year, and when I heard this, I said, no, it's a good idea to do it. And just the next day, I got into a suffix, if I said the right things or not, and like we said, since I trained myself, I said it, at least 90 times, probably I said 100 times. So then we assume that I said the right Amidah. I don't have to repeat the Amidah. Final thing that we're going to mention today before we go to the text and take any phone calls is Tikkun Hatzot. For those who say Tikkun Hatzot at night, the time is about 1 a.m. now because we changed the clock. Tikkun Hatzot in the days of Sfirat Omer, we don't say Tikkun Rahel, which means we don't say Vidui either. We just go straight to Tikkun Le'ah. And the difference here is usually whenever we don't have Tahanu, wherever we skip Tikkun Nahe, we also skip However, in Tikkun Le'ah and Sfirat Omer, we do mention that Mizmor. We just skip only Tikkun Nahil. And of course, if the next day is Rosh Hodesh or whatever, it's a day that everybody doesn't say Tahanun, then we'll skip also the Mizmor of Yancha Hashem Biyom Salah. We'll go now to some questions that we have either on text or some people, you could call them by the way, let me give you the numbers. 718-683-5858. We'll take any questions that, on the subjects that we spoke about. You could also call in after the show, after 3 o'clock. And over there, we'll take also your questions off the air. You could also text in at 347-927-8398. Okay. Questions like this. The trees now are not budding flowers. What if it doesn't bud until after the Hodesh of Nisan? What is the halakha? So, like we said, it's a mahlokit. According to the Mishnah Berurah, 
even afterwards, even though it's been a late spring, trust me, we're all waiting for the good weather and we get it here and there. Still, you could still say it. You could still say it even after the month of Nisan because it goes by the tree, not by the date. However, like we said, a list of Sfaradi Ahronim, including the Benish Hayr of Haim Palachi and uh, the Hida, they hold that you could only say it in the month of Nisan. So it's a mahlokit. In the case of mahlok, in the Berachot, usually we tell you, but unless you are a person that always strictly follows the Mishnah Barah or Hakam Badiah, or your rabbi follows one of them, then you have what to rely on. And certainly you could ask your rabbi and he'll tell you if you can make the bracha or not. Next, I bought whiskey from a Jewish non-religious store already. Can I use it? I'm not sure if they sold it. Question is, could you go back to the store and ask them, do you sell your hamits? I don't know if you could trust them, really. They're not religious. Maybe they have no emanut. Um, if you know for sure that they're Jewish, it could be a big problem. Because over here, it's not like they're buying it from different places. It could be a big problem. So I would suggest very strongly that you consult your rabbi what to do. But otherwise, it could be a big problem, really, with that whiskey. And you may have to, you know, have a subhana'ah. Ask your rabbi what to do with that whiskey afterwards. But it seems like to be, from my point of view over here, from the way the question is just mentioned, it seems to be a problem. Okay, now here's... Okay, here's another question from the text. The question is like this. Somebody bought... Okay, it's a case that happened a few years ago. It's a very interesting case. Somebody actually went to a store and they bought matzah and they came home, they didn't realize, they started eating it, and they realized that it was not kashel Pesach. Question is now, um, what should have been done? Well, if it's bought from a kosher, like, like we said, if it's bought from a Jewish store, so you could go back and give it back. But over here, you opened it and you ate from it. Obviously, what you ate from it, you ate from it. So you did an avirah by accident. Like any avirah by accident, you do teshubah. You do sincere teshubah. You... Obviously, you will never do this again. You'll obviously be much more careful the next time. That's for sure. Kabbalah al-Atid, you know what to do. The three steps in Teshubah is harata, vidui, and Kabbalah al-Atid. You have to have the regret, which clearly you have regret that you didn't check the box. You have to save confession, which you'll be your tzedeh haban next time we hit the month of Iyar and we're saying tahanun and we say vidui, anna hatati adivit bashati. And you also have to say, also have to kabbalahati. I'm sure next time they're going to make sure they check every box and they're going to tell everybody about it. But in general, Sfarim bring down, if not happened to you even by mistake, one should do some introspection. Why did Hashem bring this Avira about? But like we said, in Teshubah today, that's how Teshubah is done. You want to be really, really mahmir. You want for something very nice. If you like those kind of kabbalistic things, the Kafahim brings down, name the Hida, that to give find out the price of how much does it cost for a goat which is a korban that's brought for a korban hatat and give that price give that amount donate it to tzedakah and there's a whole special nusah to say of uh, Yehud before it and to read the parashat hatat because one who commits an avidah of eating hamet on Pesach is hayab karet if it's on by accident by accident then it'll be hayab hatat we ran out of time. We're told we have to stop right now. So we can give the phone numbers one last time and we'll be here to answer any other question that you may have. If you have it through a text, we'll text you back. If you want to call in, you could call in right now at 718-683-5858. 
Text number is 347-927-8398. Again, this class will be aired on tonight at 11 p.m. here on jrootradio.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Iran and Jroot Radio for hosting us. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week when we'll talk about the Minhagim and the laws of Sefirat Aumir.